Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Bhutang Tamang Sankang Namasami. Uh, during the uh, question uh, time today, uh, Santanatam, uh, I mentioned the seven factors of enlightenment. And uh, again, some uh, for some of you, this will be a very uh, familiar collection of qualities. Uh, others of you uh, maybe just heard the name before and it's not so clear what these refer to. Uh, but there's a particular teaching of the Buddha um, that is uh, based upon those seven qualities that is uh, particularly useful in terms of meditation practice and uh, mind training, uh, whether you're new or whether you're experienced or somewhere in the middle. So I thought I might share uh, that to begin with this evening. Of, uh, first of all, the uh, uh, seven factors of enlightenment, the Bojanga. Uh, I can list these first of all. So for the first one on the list is Sati, or mindfulness. Uh, the second one is Dhamma Vijaya. Uh, this li literally means investigation of reality. Uh, so it's that uh, ability of the mind to explore, to investigate, to recognize the patterns of, of how things work together. Uh, so Dhamma Vijaya, so exploring the nature of the present moment experience, uh, that uh, ability. Ability of the mind is not quite the same as intelligence, but it's uh, the capacity of the mind to see how things are related to each other, the cause and effect, and the interactions of uh, aspects of our mind, our body, the, the world, and, and life, how that works. Dhamma Vijaya, investigation of reality. The third one is Virya, meaning energy. So that just the quality of, of uh, 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 the alertness, brightness, of sort of uh, the capacity of the mind to uh, be strong and to, uh, to be alert. And then the fourth one is piti. And so this was mentioned by uh, Tanajan Chiu uh, uh, this afternoon. Piti, uh, sometimes translated as joy, sometimes as rapture. Uh, it's also got a, a physical quality to it. So that kind of charged up uh, quality of the body. So sometimes, uh, as he was saying, that the tears might be flowing or you feel like you've got uh, electricity running through your, uh, your, your body, uh, the sense of, of energization, as well as the feelings of joyfulness and uh, uh, rapture uh, or bliss sometimes is... is uh, is a, a translation for that. So those are the first four, mindfulness, uh, investigation of reality, energy, and rapture or joy, uh, piti. Then the last three 
Pasadhi, again, that was mentioned this afternoon at the question time. Uh, Pasadhi means a calmness, tranquility, settledness, a quality of ease and uh, inner quietness. Pasadhi. Um, and then Samadhi, collectedness. Again, we were talking about this afternoon. Samadhi, that sense of orderliness, focused uh, quality of the mind, collectedness. And then the last one is Upeka, again, that we were talking about this afternoon. Serenity, uh, that uh, evenness of mind, that kind of quality of, of centeredness and profound uh, stability in the midst of activity and change. So uh, this particular teaching that I, I wanted to share is a, uh, where the Buddha uses the image of a bonfire, looking after a fire. Probably not a very useful image in the heat of <laughs> Thailand in, in, uh, in June. Uh, we don't need to have a fire to warm ourselves by, just to turn the aircon off, and then the, the fire is uh, in the air. Uh, but uh, he uses the image of looking after a fire uh, to, to illustrate how these qualities work in mind training. So, uh, and what he does is he, he uh, uh, puts uh, sati, the first one, sort of off to one side as a sort of, um, that's a, in a category of its own. And then the next three, dhamma-vijaya, virya, and piti, so investigation of reality and energy and rapture or joy, uh, they're called the rousing factors. Uh, and then the last three, uh, pasadhi, samadhi, and upeka, um, so calmness, collectedness, and serenity, those are the, the, the cooling or, or settling um, uh, factors. So uh, the image he has of a bonfire, so if you're trying to, to, uh, to burn a, a bonfire, um, and if the if the 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 wood that you're burning or if what you're burning is um it's not burning very well uh it's uh it, the flames aren't really taking it's uh if the wood is damp uh you've tried to light your fire it's a bit smoky it hasn't really um started up as a uh, it's kind of just about to get going but it's still uh, not really a flame um uh, so if it's uh, the, and then this is compared to the, the mind being dull and sleepy. So if your mind is, is tired, is dull, is sleepy, is uh, lacking energy, it's like a bonfire that you're trying to light it, but the wood's a bit damp, the, the grass is, is, is damp, the, the, the leaves are, are damp, there's not enough air. And so... Uh, so if your mind is dull and sleepy, then uh, you don't need more calming factors. You're calm enough already. So uh, if your your fire hasn't really started, you, know, you you don't put on you don't sprinkle it with water. Uh, you don't put on wet grass, um, and uh, you you don't or you don't sprinkle it with with damp earth because that'll just put it out completely. So if your mind is dull and sleepy, what you need is the rousing factors. So if the fire, you're trying to light a fire and it's not really getting going, you, uh, you open it up to the air, 
you put in some dry grass, you get some nice dry thin sticks of kindling wood, uh, you uh, put those together with the uh, in the fire, and then you blow on it. You you uh, you fan it with a with a fan, or you blow on it. You give it oxygen. So if your mind is dull and sleepy in meditation, uh, which uh, probably uh, all of us have experienced in these uh, hot uh, hot days that we have, um, then uh, the rousing factors are what we need. Uh, so these are dhammavijaya, virya, and piti. So that. Uh, like the the the, the dry grass, uh, the the dry kindling, and blowing on it, then if your uh, if your mind is dull and sleepy, then if you use these rousing factors of investigation, using your mental faculties to consider, oh, okay, I'm really sleepy, I'm uh, I'm dozing off. Okay, now what can I do to rouse some energy? How is my posture? Uh, uh, if I open my eyes, will that make the mind a bit more alert? Um, what can be done to help uh, rouse the mind? Uh, drawing energy into the body, straight, uh, inviting the, the posture to be uh, to be more upright, um, and uh, using these kind of uh, say changes or inviting those those wholesome changes into the body, into the mind that will help. Uh, brighten things so the buddha says that's uh, so that's what helps the the fire to catch and to enable the the bonfire to burn in in an even and uh, a balanced way if at the other end of the scale uh, your fire is already blazing up your the flames are like a, a two meters high and you're <laughs> it's a uh, it's really raging you don't need more rousing factors. You're plenty. You're roused plenty already. Your mind is is very wide awake. Your uh, your body is is filled with energy. Your uh, your thoughts are racing all over the place. Uh, your passions are, are surging. So you don't need more dry grass. You don't need uh, more kindling. You don't need to blow on it. Instead, uh, what you should do is get some wet grass to drop that on to. Um, to sprinkle it with some some wet earth and to close it up a bit so the air can't get to the to the wood so so easily you use the the calming factors so if your mind is raging away reliving the past fantasizing about the future um filled with with agitation and restlessness you can't sit still you don't need more rousing factors. You don't need no, more Dhamma Vijaya, Virya. Uh, you've got plenty of Virya already. <laughs> There's plenty of, of juice, electricity in the system. What we need is to, to calm things down. So if the mind is very busy, very agitated, very, let's say, uh, over-energized, then uh, the qualities of pasadhi, tranquility, or calmness, settledness, uh, concentration, collectedness, and serenity, upeka. Those are those are the the factors that will be be will be useful. Just like putting some wet grass, um, some uh, some damp earth, and closing the, the fire up will help it to to calm down a bit and burn in a more uh, even and balanced way. And so, this is about uh, skillful applying application of, of effort. And you know, setting particular, recognizing how things are working, and then setting a particular 
setting a particular goal. And then mindfulness, sati, is in a category of its own because that's what is the, the kind of coordinating element. That's what helps the mind to recognize, oh, I'm really hot here. My mind is raging away. Okay, calm down. Calm. I don't need more energy. I'm plenty alert already. Okay, calm down, calm down. So to let the body really relax, to loosen the, the tension and agitation, to let, it, let the body settle, to uh, bring the attention to something calming like the breath, uh, and to help the whole system to, to settle down. Or mindfulness that, wow, I'm really sleepy. That, that strange sound I'm hearing is actually me snoring. That, that's... That was that wasn't the uh, the the fan or the air conditioning. That was my uh, my breath uh, snoring. I'm I'm really dull and sleepy. So we can be mindful of being dull. Uh, and so uh, again, that mindfulness is the the balancing factor. Recognizing, okay, we need more more oxygen, more dry grass, more more kindling to liven the whole thing up. Uh, and in the the commentary to this. Uh, this particular sutta, the bonfire uh, sutta, the, the, the commentary says about sati, says, just like salt improves the flavor of every curry, and a good minister improves the welfare of every state, mindfulness is always useful in every situation. So I, I'm sure there's a few doctors here probably say, oh, don't recommend salt, Ajahn, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's not, uh, too much salt is not good for you. So, but this is, I'm just recounting what it says in, in the ancient commentary uh, about, uh, about this. Uh, so that uh, mindfulness is always useful. And so that's what helps them, us to, to monitor what's going on. Because uh, again, as I was, uh, I think, saying yesterday or the day before, we can easily get into a, a, a rut or a groove of following a particular set of instructions or a, a familiar way of practicing meditation we fall into a rut or into a groove of this is what i do i close my eyes i sit down and we're not noticing what's going on we're not noticing that well i'm calling it peaceful but i'm really fast asleep <laughs> yeah we're not we're not aware of that we're um and so or, or that um yeah we think uh, oh yeah my um and my mind is is uh, is very energetic. I'm doing a lot of of uh, wise investigation, and we're calling it investigation, but actually it's just the mind uh, running around all over the place. It's not it's not dhamma vijaya. It's not wise reflection. It's not investigation. It's just prungdang, the kind of uh, conceptual proliferation. That's the thinking mind running all over the place. We're labeling it wise reflection. But actually, what's on the tin is not <laughs> what's written on the outside is not what what's actually in the tin, as they say. So that sense of mindfulness is uh, helping to uh, reveal uh, and to help the, us to assess what's really going on here. Uh, uh, many years ago, when I was a, a novice at what Nanachat in in Ubon, and uh, I was very new to meditation. I'd never really practiced meditation at all before showing up at the monastery. So I was in the same position as some of you. I literally had had never done any kind of, of concentration practice or never done any meditation effectively uh, ever in my life. 
was my introduction to Buddhism was uh, to Theravada Buddhism in particular was walking into Wat Pananachat as a sort of hippie tourist. So I didn't have any background in meditation at all. I've never actually been a lay Buddhist, so I can't really give advice to to you all about lay practice because I was a layman in, in Wat Pananachat for three weeks before I became a Pakao. It took the eight precepts, so I have no experience of trying to live in the world as a, a lay Buddhist. Anyway, so uh, a few months into living there, and I made a comment to one of my my fellow novices, and I said, um, "You know, the uh, the morning meditation seems to go much more quickly than the evening. In the evening, you know, I'm so restless, my legs are really achy, and the mosquitoes are really biting. But uh, in the morning, uh, the meditation is much more comfortable and it seems to go much uh, by much more quickly and then my my brother novice said well that's because you're fast asleep i said what what do you mean he said yeah you're totally out of it it's like yeah your head is uh, is uh, slumped over your nose is on your chest you know i've got a long nose but it was even that far down it's, i said oh. so i was a bit bit indignant but then I realized, well, that's probably why the morning meditation seems to go by in 10 minutes rather than an hour. Okay. So then, uh, so I was a bit annoyed with him telling me that. But then the next morning meditation, I decided to, to um, sort of try and pay close attention uh, and to meditate with my eyes open. And sure enough, I could hardly, I, uh, okay, I'll sit with my eyes open. And within a, a few seconds, my eyes had closed and, oh, I was going to sit with my eyes open and and uh, I've checked out, uh, become uh, semi-conscious once again. So that uh, um, that quality of mindfulness, it helps us to not just be following a system or just uh, obeying instructions, but to ask that question, well, what's really happening here? How is this working? Uh, is it easier in the morning than the evening uh what uh what uh say do i experience uh, different times of the day or different situations or just after the the meal time and the st uh, stomach has got a lot of food in it what difference does that make so that uh, there's that quality of of uh, of assessing and then uh, and then letting that mindfulness inform the kind of adjustments that are needed. So, saying that, also want to underline not to uh, to, to not be guiding our practice with either you know, he, you know um, heat it up or cool it down, <laughs> energize or, or calm it. Like I need more energy. I'm too sleepy. I've got to get uh, more uh, alert. Or I'm too uh, I'm too busy. I'm too agitated. I need to calm down. But uh, again, to as I've been saying a few times, to notice that eye-making and mind-making in the, the, the habit that comes into the picture, the desire to become, the desire to get rid of. And so to let those changes be really guided by sati, by satipanya, mindfulness and wisdom, rather than me trying to make my meditation right. <laughs> If that makes sense, it's a it's a little bit tricky to get a, a feeling for how that works, but um, it's rather like uh, if you um, if you've been if you've been 
doing something for for years and years or uh, and that you're quite is yeah you're uh, quite familiar with it and then you uh and then you suddenly have to do it as a demonstration uh like the i remember one of the first times i was leading a, a big retreat in america and uh 100 people were there in the in the meditation hall uh bow down in front of the shrine i'm ready to start the chanting 100 people ready to join in how does it begin <laughs> complete blank you know i've done it thousands and thousands of times but the yo so was not there it was like no so it was there was a it was a complete blank and i had to get turned to uh, ajahn punadama said how does it start <laughs> she thought it was very very funny but you know when you you have to do something deliberately then you uh you, you can forget how to do it and so that um that quality of of the effort being made without me having to do it without me being involved without the i me and mine element being a part of it uh, then that is a, a in a way it's like when we're chanting without having to to be uh, an example for everyone or trying to show uh, uh, people uh, say uh, as a, a special demonstration that you are doing and then you you uh, become awkward and everything gets uh can get confused and scrambled so the more that we can get a feeling for that quality of of mindfulness and wisdom being the the guiding force then uh recognizing oh there's sleepiness the mind is very dull and sleepy then rather than oh i should brighten up i need to wing it that let that quality of mindfulness and wisdom that attunement to what's present let that be the the guiding spirit the guiding force uh, and that and then noticing what's the effect of letting those adjustments in our, our life come from that place of selflessness uh, notice how that works how much more peaceful how much more uh, easeful that is and because in that the heart is free of like, I want to get it right. I don't want to get it wrong. Oh, I'm doing well, or I'm doing badly. The 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 way the mind relates to success and failure and, and such like that changes quite radically. So this uh, establishing or, or cultivating this way of giving direction and effort being made free of self-view, free of conceit is uh, something very, very significant. So this element of selflessness, uh, say coming from that place of, of selflessness, the Pali word anatta, not self, is uh, the sort of key principle. And again, this is uh, very well known to many of you. Some of you that might be, oh yeah, I remember that in my Buddhist class. What is that not self thing? Because I certainly seem to be here. So what? Uh, something's happening. <laughs> the, with what I call my life, but so what is this not self? Am I supposed to believe I don't exist? Uh, what 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 is that anatta principle about? So uh, and we in the morning chanting that we've been doing uh, the 
we've just been doing the English. So um, some days we'll do just the English. Uh, we might also do the English and the Pali together along the way. So this principle uh, of not self, uh, this was something that was um, uh, spoken about by the, the Lord Buddha very early on in his teaching. Uh, we've mentioned the uh, Dhammachaka Pawatana Sutta, the, the very first discourse that the Buddha gave to his five companions in, in the deer park in outside of Varanasi in Saranath, outside of Varanasi in, in northern India. Uh, so that was the first teaching he gave to his five companions, these five other yogis, meditators that he had lived with. Uh, when he uh, uh, so he started eating ordinary food and, and uh, d decided he wanted to discover uh, a more uh, middle path, these five companions had abandoned him and thought, oh, our friend Gotama, he's really lost it. He's, he's eating rice porridge like an ordinary person, like a... He's really, really lost the plot, uh, but it, they didn't realize that the, the Bodhisattva was very, very close to enlightenment. But anyway, after the, the Buddha's enlightenment, he went back to Varanasi. He sought out these five companions of his and met them in the deer park. Uh, and, and then and the first teaching, the first guidance he gave them was on the, the middle way that he had discovered and the Four Noble Truths that we've, we've talked about. So when he gave that teaching, then one of the five, uh, Kandanya, uh, uh, understood what he was saying and became a stream enterer. He reached the first level of enlightenment. And when the, when the, the Buddha was explaining the, the Four Noble Truths uh, in, the, in that way uh, and the, the way to work with each of the four, these four principles, Kandanya understood. And then the Buddha realized that, oh, Kandanya's got it. So uh, the Pali for understanding is Anya. So then when the, the Buddha saw this sort of light of, of, uh, of understanding uh, 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 appearing in the expression on Kandanya's face, he said, Anyasi watabo Kandanyo, Anyasi watabo Kandanyoti. Kandanya understands, Kandanya understands. So uh, from that time forth, he was known as Anya Kandanya. Kandanya understands. It's a kind of Pali joke. <laughs> the subtle Pali joke. That he, yeah, that was what he was known as. He was his nickname was Anya Kandanya from that time on. Because the Buddha said he understands. Anya Kandanya understands. Kandanya understands. So he became Kandanya who understands. The as a, a small footnote to that, uh, the um, the first of uh, Lumpur Sumato's students to be ordained as a monk in, in England, uh, he had the idea to give the, his first five disciples the names of the, the Buddha's five companions. So the first one was Kundanya. And, um, but the, the preceptor, Dr. Saratissa, had been the teacher for Kundanya for quite a long time. And he said, uh, your name is Kundanya, but not yet Anya. <laughs> Still got some work to do. So he was Kandanya, not yet Anya. So that was the, the first teaching. Uh, and the so four of them hadn't quite uh, understood, but Kandanya had, and he realized stream entry. So then the second teaching, uh, during that time, they were all together in the deer park in Varanasi. Um, 
uh, each day, then the, the Buddha would, would give his friends more instruction, guidance. And so what's um, presented as the second teaching is called the Anatalakana Sutta, the discourse on the characteristic of not-self. And so it was when he gave this teaching that all five of them became arahants, just hearing uh, that particular sutta, that discourse. And it was in that discourse that he used the framework of anicca dukkha anatta, um, uh, uh, anicca meaning change or uncertainty, transiency, uh, dukkha meaning unsatisfactoriness, and anatta meaning not self. And the uh, the framework of the five khandas, the five uh, aspects of body and mind. Rupa, meaning physical form, the body, uh, the material world. Rupa, Vedana, meaning feeling or sensation. Uh, sanya, meaning perception, uh, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. Sankara, meaning mental activity, thinking, emotions, intentions, memory, imagination. Uh, and then Vijnana is uh, discriminative consciousness, the very fabric of of the uh, the say the structure of of uh, perception and uh, and cognition. So uh, this that format of the five khandas, which again we re recite in the the morning chanting, and uh, the way of looking at that, basically looking at body and mind uh, in terms of these three qualities. So uh, the Buddha was using what they call an was uh, an analytical method. So uh, it was a, a kind of dialogue between him and his five companions. So he said, first, uh, uh, and uh, again, just like um, with the first, the first teaching, the turning of the wheel, the Dhamma Chaka, the turning of the wheel of Dhamma, uh, the background to that, as I was mentioning, is that uh, if there is an ultimate reality, if there is a Dhamma, why are we not happy all of the time? If the fundamental nature of reality is... Uh, timeless is uh, infinite is unborn unoriginated uncreated unformed why are we as part of that reality not totally happy all of the time why are we not free why is there dukkha so that was the the unspoken backdrop to teaching number one the unspoken backdrop to teaching number two is if there is a self then an atta an atman in sanskrit or uh, atta in uh, in Pali. Uh, when a, when uh, a, a a monk refers to himself, talking to lay people, we say atama. It comes from atta or atma from the the uh, the same origin. So, uh, according to the Vedic philosophy, the the fundamental characteristics of the atman is being consciousness bliss, sat chit ananda. So if there is a self, it should be absolutely real, uh, it should be blissful, uh, and it should be truly and completely, uh, uh, individually, what we are. It should be the, the essence of self, should be, um, uh, uh, should be aware, should be blissful, and should be permanent. Uh, so that it, that's the... Uh, the understanding that was uh, uh, generally within the Indian phil philosophical map of the time and still much today, Satchitananda, being consciousness bliss. So the Atman is supposed to be permanent, blissful, and absolutely me, <laughs> the essence of this individual I, individual me. So 
what the Buddha does is he uh, doesn't make a declaration about um, the, the nature of ultimate reality is this, but he uses an analytical method. He leads his companions through uh, the, um, the, the nature of their moment-by-moment -moment experience of body and mind to explore and to see what, uh, what the reality is. So he starts off with rupa. Again, first on the list, most uh, tangible, most obvious, the body, the material form. So then he asks, material form, is that in a state of change or is it not? Nichangwa, anichangwa. Is it nicha? Is it permanent? Or is it anicha? Is it impermanent? And so the, the, uh, the five monks say, anichang bante. It's in a state of change. So then the Buddha says, so that which is in a state of change, then is it appropriate, uh, is it, uh, appropriate to say of that, is it subject to affliction or is it uh, going to be blissful all of the time? So, well, if it's uh, in a state of change, it can't be blissful, it can't be satisfactory all of the time. Is it always going to be pleasant or is it uh, going to be unpleasant some of the time? Well, so they say, well, uh, it's going to be dukang bante. It's going to be unsatisfactory. It's subject to affliction. And then, so the last part, then the Buddha says, okay, so if rupa, if material form, the body, if it's in a state of change and it's subject to affliction, it's unsatisfactory, is it appropriate to say of the body, etang mama, eso hamasmi, eso meyata, this is mine, etang mama, eso hamasmi, this is what I am, eso meyata, this is my true self, to which they reply, no hetang bante. No, it's not. Okay, <laughs> so then, number two, feeling, Vedana, the same pattern. Okay, as feelings, are they in a state of change? Yes. Uh, if they're in a state of change, can they be satisfactory and blissful all of the time? No, they can't. So, is it appropriate to say of feelings, this is, uh, this is mine, this is what I am, this is my true self? No, hey, Tangbante. No, it's not. So, he does that analytical approach to, for each of the five khandhas, the body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, discriminative consciousness. So then when they gets to the end of that uh, analysis, then uh, he uh, then says, so that um, uh, seeing thus, <laughs> then the, the, uh, the wise noble disciple will then let go of, uh, of attachment to rupa, to the body, to material form, will let go of attachment to feelings, perceptions, mental formations, discriminative consciousness, that will recognize these are not self, these are not who and what we are. So he never says the real self is, or what you truly are is, is this or that, but it's what they call a, a uh, he uses a, a, what they call the way of negation, by letting go of attachment to what we're not, what remains is what is real. He never says, this is the true self. He, he avoids that language because he, he realized that people will just take the idea of a true self, or I am ultimate reality, and they just hang on to the idea of it rather than uh, arriving at the realization. So um, when he had walked each of his, the, his companions through this way of exploring then uh, he, uh, uh, he and points that out, 
then that uh, the um uh, the the wise noble uh, thing to do is to let go of grasping the the, the five khandas then uh, what the result was that all five of his companions his friends became arahants right then and there so this is an extremely successful teaching <laughs> it only takes about 20 minutes to recite uh, and so then uh, and they all their hearts were were liberated from greed hatred and delusion right there in the deer park uh, under the trees in the in sarnath so um when we we look at it in this way uh, we realize that these principles of anicca dukkha anatta they're not things to believe like we don't it's not like i believe everything is impermanent or i believe everything is unsatisfactory or, or i believe the body is not self or my thoughts are, are not who and what i am they're not uh, ideas to believe in they're tools to examine the way the mind relates to its experience so the when we use the reflections on anicca dukkha anatta to support insight meditation uh what we it's like a, a toolkit like a screw you know screwdrivers and spanners and chisels and, and knives it's a it's a toolkit to uh say work on the the structures that the mind uh, habitually makes I, I remember i think i feel this is my body so the the uh, reflections on uh on say anicca okay we say this is my body so all of us since we gathered together at 6 30 so uh, two hours ago we've been breathing in breathing out we've been sweating so this might be a little bit uh, unappealing but we've all been sweating i would say water vapor coming off our skin we've all been breathing in and breathing out so what was my body when i came into this hall is now comprised of all bits of your bodies that might seem a bit unsavory as they say Ugh. especially for the vegetarians the, the uh and similarly that uh you know that all of your bodies that were you and you walked into this hall then i've been breathing in bits of you so right i mean this is biologically very uh this is this is not a, a, an exaggeration that's uh, all coming into the air we're breathing this uh, these molecules are moving around so is your body who and what you are is in a constant state of change breathing in breathing out this is a glass of water there's no amaro in this water Now that sip of water is Ajahn Amaro. Ta-da! The water just became British. It's ridiculous. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? But that's what the Buddha is, is in a way, is walking his companions through. It's like, isn't it crazy? This body, which is in a constant state of change, we we call this is this is what I am. This is me. This is this is my true self so it's a way of looking at the feeling of owning etang mama this is mine so the the pali word mama means mine uh, mine uh, uh, the word mama uh, mamankara means made of mineness uh, that feeling of owning this is my body my mind my life my uh, my seat <laughs> yeah my retreat 
my words, that feeling of owning, uh, it's a feeling. We say, this is my body. Well, the body is in a constant state of change, but then if you try to pin down, well, what's the thing here that, that even thinks it, it owns the body? What's the, what does the owner look like? You look for the, that which does any owning, you can't find any kind of anything solid, anything uh, substantial there. So uh, looking at that feeling of owning, etang mama, esohamasmi, this is what I am, that sense of being. I am alive. I am British. I am Thai. I am uh, a man. I am a woman. I, that's what I am. I am awake. I am confused. <laughs> I, uh, I am understanding that the sense of, of being uh, and then uh, challenging that. Well, that, what is it that has that, uh, that, uh, that feeling of I, I am, I am this, this is what I am. What knows that? It, uh, is, that is, it, is that which knows masculinity male? Is that which knows femininity female? Is that which knows uh, Thai-ness? Thai? <laughs> that which knows Britishness British? The mind which is aware doesn't have a nationality, doesn't have a gender, doesn't have an age or a location. That which knows the person isn't a person. It's an interesting concept to work with. But awareness is not old or young, it's not tall or short, it's not female or male. It doesn't have any of those characteristics. It's not blue or red or yellow or purple or white. It knows, but it doesn't have any kind of um, perceivable characteristics. That which knows the person is not a person. It's not personal. So uh, then the, the, the third of those three, so in the, the usual commentaries, when it talks about atta, often it, it talks about theories of self or your idea about ideas about the self and the universe and uh, a kind of philosophical position. But I like to, to see it more the, what we, you can think of as the narrative self. And people say, well, who are you? And you say, well, I, I'm a teacher, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a monk, or I'm, I'm British, or I'm 66 years old. That the story that we tell other people when they say, well, who are you? Uh, and that the narrative self, our story. Um, again, the, the, these, uh, these teachings are a way of exploring that. Okay, that which, that which knows this story uh, and and re repeats that story is that uh, is that male is that female is that older is that young and the the events of our story the characteristics of of where we live what our occupation is uh, where we studied the names of our family members uh, again we can see that that's uh, uh, when it's looked at closely it's all a lot less solid than it uh, it appears at first sight that um that yeah well that's a story that i tell but you know that's really just a a, a a set of conventions i say i went to sutton valence school well that's a collection of buildings on a hillside in kent and it's cool that's the name on the gate <laughs> but it's just a set of conventions that, that humans remember and ascribe to that particular collection of buildings and those people who've been gathering there for 400 years or so call it this is my school 
or London University. Yeah. It has, London University is something that is, uh, exists in the minds of a number of uh, people, a few buildings scattered around the city of London, but is it absolutely permanently completely a thing? No, it has metaphysical existence. It exists in the minds, but it's, it has, it's a samuti satcha, a conventional truth. So uh, when the Buddha leads his friends through this, it's like looking at these different ways the mind creates that feeling of self, the owning self, the being self, the narrative self. And when they're looked at, uh, and they're examined, they say, oh, <laughs> there's nothing really substantial here. That's not truly who and what I am. Therefore, the heart lets go. They say, oh, there isn't anything solid, anything permanent, anything absolutely personal here. Aha, the heart lets go. What remains is the quality of awareness, that quality of, of knowing. And so at the end of that sutta, it says their hearts were liberated. Uh, of those those five uh, those five bhikkhus, their, their hearts were liberated. So the the jitta uh, is that knowing faculty uh, in the, of the mental world. That is the aspect that is liberatable, <laughs> can be liberated. And so that you can say, like within uh, within the meditation, uh, the more that the mind looks at physical sensations thoughts, emotions, uh, patterns of perception arising and passing away. As we develop uh, the aspect of insight, which we'll probably talk about a bit more over these coming days, then there is that quality of knowing, that vijadatu, that element of awareness, the, the tatru, the puru, that element of knowing that's aware of the feelings of the body arising and passing, sounds that we hear around us, arising and passing, uh, the thoughts, emotions, memories, ideas arising and passing. So if we say, oh, that's what I am, the real me is that awareness, that's the real me. That's just a collection of words. The real me is, is not those words, <laughs> but the, the mind likes to attach to something that's graspable. <laughs> and so, uh, Instead of the idea, or oh, the real me is that awareness. That's what's reliable. That's the real thing at the center of this all. That's a, a set of ideas or words that are describing that reality. So like the word microphone is not a microphone. It's a word, right? <laughs> you can't record, you can't pick up sound with the word microphone. You need an actual physical thing. You need the, the real thing. So... Uh, and the way that the Buddha spoke in that uh, Anatalakana Sutta, and that he didn't say, therefore, dear friends, the real self is X, Y, Z. <laughs> he, right from the beginning, he used this principle of the, the way of negation, like, let's let go of what you're not, and the, uh, the, 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 the reality uh, what is genuine, what's real, is what remains. You don't have to have an idea about it. You don't have to give it a name. Uh, you don't have to say, oh, uh, uh, this is the real me. That All of that is, is extra to that quality of awakened awareness that is knowing. Oh, here's the mind trying to 
give a name to the real me <laughs> or to, to talk about a real me, uh, the Buddha saw all of that's extra and the mind loves to have that sense of definition. Yes, now I've got it. I've got the answer. This is, I am the Dhamma. That's the real me. But that's also another sentence. <laughs> that's what I am. I am the Dhamma. Right. That is, I am the Dhamma. I am the Dhamma. Just, it's just a collection of words. What's the mind that knows those words forming? That's the refuge is the mind that is aware, not the words that are trying to describe that. So the Buddha's teaching is trying to encourage the embodying of that quality of awareness, be that uh, uh, that's the, the aspect that can be liberated. A thought can't be liberated. A word can't be liberated. Words begin and end. Thoughts begin and end. But this quality of uh, awakened awareness uh, that knows thoughts and words arising and passing, this that is what can genuinely be uh, be liberated, be free of all limitation, free of all uh, restriction. So in a way, the word Dhamma is just a word. <laughs> the Dhamma itself is inexpressible. It, it's, uh, the word refers to that quality. But, uh, and, and those of you who've been listening to Gumpur Sumato's Dhamma talks in the recent past, he often speaks about this saying, the Dhamma is really indescribable, it's unnameable, um, unimaginable. You can't create an image of Dhamma, timeless, unborn, unoriginated, uncreated, unformed, all those uns. And, the, and it's really lovely listening to Lumpur speaking. So try to imagine the unimaginable. It's like Ajahn Buddhadasa put it, the mind falls flat. You know, at that, uh, it, it can't do it. Imagine the unimaginable. Can't do it. <laughs> Describe the timeless, that which is completely free of time, when all our perceptions... Uh, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking are all time-bound. We can take the word timeless, akaliko, but we can't really imagine what timelessness is, is as a, a quality. But the heart can know that. It can awaken to that, free of words, free of concepts, free uh, of the conditioned limitations that we create. So with insight meditation, again, that we'll, uh, in the coming days, we'll uh, give some more instruction uh, on that. When the mind is uh, settled and the attention is able to stay with the, uh, the present ex moment experience, then the development of insight uh, is changing the perspective so that rather than looking at the content of experience, like here is the, the, the site of the hall and all of us people gathered here and the, the red mats on the floor, um, the space of the, of the room. It's looking at the process of experiencing. And so we use those exact same reflections of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of, of transiency, of unsatisfactoriness, uh, and of not-self. So we say, look at this, this hall and the bamboo. Say, well, is this perception of this hall is in a, is it in a state of change yes not whether we like it or we don't like it or we'd like to have this a place like this in our garden <laughs> but 
is it is this perception changing yes uh, is this uh, is this perception of this hall is it totally satisfactory all of the time yeah no no it's not sometimes it's very pleasing sometimes it, it's not when a when the i find i'm under a drip from the roof or <laughs> or the uh, the 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 fans are uh, too too noisy or not or not not cool enough you know it's not satisfactory all of the time and can i call this perception mine is it what is it that knows this is this a person does this belong to a person is this something that's owned by a me or is it uh something that the awake quality of the mind is aware of coming and going and changing so that that those qualities those characteristics those lakana of anicca dukkha anatta they're used to help the mind let go of the content of experience to know the process of experiencing so that might i know english is not the first language of most people here <laughs> but uh, we can uh, uh, explore this what is meant by that so that uh, that is a way of of recognizing that well there we are all sitting in this hall but the perceptions of this hall are arising and passing away taking shape within the space of our awareness it's a fabricated experience this particular pattern of seeing hearing smelling tasting touching it takes shape in this way and that the tools of anicca dukkha anatta are ways of exploring the habit of no it's 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 always been here this is puchai sai it's the same as it was last year nothing's changed I'm sure the people, the maintenance people would say, oh, yes, it has. <laughs> we did a lot of fixing up. <laughs> so it, uh, is it permanently satisfactory? Uh, is it something that we can say we own or this that is, is ours or that there's a me that experiences this? So they are tools to explore the assumptions that are made and to let go of those assumptions and then to not replace those assumptions with different assumptions <laughs> but rather to support that quality of letting go non-grasping and when the the heart lets go the insight is uh is not so much having more information about what's uh, experienced but rather it's a change of view that's what the insight is it's a change of perspective it's a change of, of view so that then there's that change of heart that goes oh it's an each dukkha anatta it's not who and what i am aha it's that space uh, of the heart that is uh, say in, that is manifest that is embodied when there's a letting go uh, of of attachment identification with what's being experienced so it's that aha that change of view that's the purpose of insight meditation and as i was quoting lumpo cha um, uh, earlier that uh, the nibbana is the reality of non-grasping so when the grasping stops when there is that insight there's at least a moment of peace of clarity of spaciousness oh it's just this canon it's just this that's all <sighs> um i offer these thoughts for consideration this evening <laughs>